Welcome to the Maritime Podcast. You're listening to Marcus Hand, editor at Sea Trade Maritime News. Today we are in conversation with Claudia Olmeyer, Worcester, Germany president. Welcome to the Maritime Podcast, Claudia. Thank you very much, Marcus. I'm very excited to be here today. That's great to have you here. We're going to be talking to Claudia ahead of the Worcester International AGM and Conference, which is being held from the 12th to the 15th of October in Hamburg, where Claudia is based. Claudia, could you tell us briefly about Worcester and why it is important to have an organization like this in shipping? Well, I think everybody knows WISTA, but just to be sure, WISTA stands for Women's International Shipping and Trading Association. And I think it's important in many ways. First of all, it is a network for women from women to support each other and to build a community, to have business relations, and also have as a greater goal to minimize the gender gap. But there is more than a gender diversity in VISTA. VISTA is an international network, as already mentioned. So we have women from now over 50 countries, uh, national VISTA associations like VISTA Germany. And we also have almost all industries in the maritime industry here. So a lawyer meets a naval architect, a captain or a female captain meets a broker. And that makes it, of course, also very diverse and gives you a lot more opportunities in networking and exchanging information, exchanging views and finding new solutions. The annual conference, as we mentioned in the introduction, is coming up in October in Hamburg, having been postponed last year due to the pandemic. Perhaps you can tell our listeners, why should people attend this conference and what should they expect? Vista Germany is very happy to welcome back the international AGM and conference in Hamburg, Germany. The first one took place 1981, also in Germany. Of course, a little bit smaller scale. So we are very excited that we have the conference back for the first time in Hamburg and maybe a little bit less excited to have it in pandemic times. But on the other hand, it is a new start, I think, for the industry as well in terms of meeting. As you pointed out, the plan was to have it last year together with the 40th anniversary of Vista Germany. But now coming back after almost one and a half years of not meeting anybody, I think everybody is excited who will be able to make it. And I think what we see from within the companies that we are working in, as well as in the Vista network, is of course that meeting in person is always of a greater benefit than meeting online. Although podcasts and online conferences are great and it's good that we have them additionally, but meeting in person really has its own spirit and its own drive and energy. So therefore, first of all, having that drive and energy again is definitely a point that people will bring to Hamburg. And of course, also our title is very much relevant. It's uh, today's action for tomorrow's business. So what do we need to do today in order to stay relevant with the companies in 2025? Having said that, I think it's no surprise what kind of topics we will touch. There is a, a big focus on decarbonization, climate change, the big topic not only of the maritime industry, but of the world. Of course, we are also talking about people and diversity and how this all goes down or goes together in the new setup or the updated setup for the maritime industry. 
I've had the pleasure of attending a Worcester conference before, and they are fantastic events. And as you say, it would be so great for people to be able to get together in person after a year and a half of not being able to meet. I think that social interaction face-to-face will you know, really add something to the event. Just before we move into the serious matter of, of, of the content of the conference, I'd just like to mention the venue, because as someone who's attended a lot of conferences and so forth in rather boring hotel ballrooms, I couldn't help but notice this was a very unusual venue and quite a historic one. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about it, Claudia. <laughs> that is true, Marcus. Well, we accepted the challenge to organize the event during pandemic, so we had to be uh, creative and keep track of the regulations of the city of Hamburg and make sure that the participants will feel safe and join us. Eventually, we also had to have some planning reliability for all of us. So we decided to organize an event outdoors, but where in a city like Hamburg. Franziska Eckhoff, event manager from Vista Germany and also one of the main organizers of the conference, suggested why not to go to the tennis court Stadium am Rotenbaum. And a couple of days later, we had an appointment and the Hamburg Maritime Open was born. I would like to use this opportunity to thank all Vista members that organized this great event. Without them, it would not be happening. And of course, also a big thank you to our sponsors who came all the way with us. But coming back to the stadium, since 1892, it is the home of international tennis tournaments and our participants will be able to embark on a journey of tennis moments, including those of Germany's famous tennis star Steffi Graf. The stadium is outdoors, but has a highly sophisticated membrane roof that will protect us from any rain. It has a capacity of maximum 10,000 people and we will have roughly 200 participants during the Hamburg Maritime Open. So we will have lots of space and everybody will be safe and sound. The outdoor character is indeed very interesting as we will be mainly outdoors also for our evening events. In October in northern Germany, I'm sure that will be something like a first time as well. And we will remember it compared to another gala dinner in a ballroom. We are looking forward that we have the possibility to arrange this conference during the pandemic and I'm sure the participants will enjoy to discuss further the topics of the day during the evening events. I'm sure it'll be absolutely fantastic. As I say, I think the idea of using such a sort of historic venue and something so different is really appealing and I like that concept of the Maritime Open. It's, uh... Fantastic. And of course, that is also quite important. I think in many terms, when we speak about change or when we speak about finding creative idea, it's about a perspective change. And we hope that will also bring another flavor to the discussions. Yeah, absolutely. That, that whole concept of perspective change now. Then looking at that program, you mentioned there some of the different issues that you're going to be discussing, some very serious things in there, and things that are going to require that change in perspective. Now, I'd like to sort of focus on two of these, if we may, Claudia, and these are people and climate change. Perhaps you can talk a little bit first about the people part of the program. Well, when it comes to people, we have an interactive panel that focuses on two issues mainly. The first thing is diversity, and I will go in that one a little bit in a moment. And the second one is also future of work. So starting with diversity... I think it's well known since a couple of years now, there have been tremendous studies about the value of diversity and that 
it enables companies to find resilient solutions instead of standard solutions. As we are now in a time where climate change and also digitalization are really topics that urge us to do something, I think the diversity really is great value that all companies are looking at now. The good thing about diversity is that if you have different people with different backgrounds discussing a topic, you have a lot more viewpoints and experience than you would have with a team that has more or less a similar background. On the other end, of course, it takes longer to discuss all these viewpoints, taking them into account, also analyzing them and seeing what is the really focus points that you should go along with. So it's very much important that companies or also groups that work together really give teams the time to talk and to exchange each others to harvest the benefits of having a diverse team. And then in the end, with this harvest, you have the payoff and have a new solution. The other topic is, of course, the new ways of working. And I think what we saw in the pandemic, a lot of companies are working from home office now. A lot of people didn't think it would work like this. And I think the industry and all industries showed that it is possible in many jobs. Not in all, obviously. I mean, maybe you don't want to be operated by a robot yet. <laughs> you prefer to have the doctor next to you. But for a lot of cases, it's possible. Having said that, it's also a matter of the future of work also includes, obviously, what kind of people does the industry need to tackle all these systems? And then coming back, of course, is the industry already diverse enough? Well, there's um, quite a lot of different points you touched on there. I think to sort of expand on that a little bit, the sort of jobs we're seeing in shipping, both onshore and offshore, we're seeing the need for new skill sets in terms of technology, softer skills, um, and how well is Maritime prepared to meet these challenges and you know, bringing in people from other sectors uh, that have these skills? In some respect, I think the industry is a little bit underrepresented in the big topics of digitalization. I mean, if you talk about digitalization to a 17 or 18-year-old boy or girl, probably not the first thing where they would say is, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go in shipping. You know, that's really a very forward-thinking industry. So I think in that respect, we are in competition with talents, with Google or Amazon or name it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot more startups that are very successful now that I'm not aware of. But therefore, the industry is a little bit, yeah, overlooked um, of course, the pandemic has accelerated, as we just said, the further development. But I think there is a little bit more that we need to understand in both the traditional but also in the emerging technologies and bring maritime a little bit more in the spotlight of also other industries. I think I would certainly agree. It's probably not that sort of job that would come to mind for the young person technology. Or well, let's enter the maritime industry. You also touched there on diversity. How important do you see diversity as meeting those sort of changing job roles in the maritime industries? By opening up the industry even more in terms of diversity, I think we have to make sure that there is a lot of diversity or, or recognize that there is a lot of diversity in maritime itself. 
as said before, the diversity of or the different people make the coloring. I think that's also the point why we have this colors representing diversity. And of course, uh, that helps to exchange different experience and also to find different solutions to the new problems that we are having. So by being more, let's put it blank, colorful, of course, we have more people outside the industry that will talk about the industry and therefore also the representation in the labor market in general for shipping will be bigger. I like that analogy there with the colors and the diversity. That's, uh, I think as our listeners know, the seafarers have borne the brunt of the pandemic as frontline workers, even if they're not necessarily recognized as such, and keeping global trade running while facing the crew change crisis. And I'd just like to ask you, Claudia, a little bit about how do you see this situation now and what more needs to be done in terms of recognizing seafarers as key workers and vaccination programs and so forth? Yeah, that is still a, a very important topic. We had a big panel discussion beginning of the year during the SMM on the seafarer situation. Um, the slogan was masks on, seafarers off. That was uh, brought to the social media or to the LinkedIn network by one uh, shipping company here from Hamburg. And we were allowed to use that slogan. Well, I think there has been some development looking back at the last seven months from this panel discussion. There have been, all the key players have been working together on this one, name it ILO, name it the Seafarers Union, name it the uh, International Ship Owners Associations, and of course also a lot of governments. So there was also a lot of public campaigns on uh, seafarers as key workers. And I think the whole discussion also showed again how less public the maritime industry is outside the maritime industry due to the underrepresentation and due to the international business that we are having our seafarers still facing troubles obviously to get home or to get back to work from home there has been vaccination here in hamburg for example we have also a vaccination program done by the Siemens Seafarers Church. There are vaccination programs in the US, for example. So vaccination is going on, but we still have problems. And I mean, one issue is, of course, among a lot of others, that the pandemic is not static. So it's changing. And then we have ports and airports that are opening up. We have then again, uh, within a couple of weeks, ports and airports that are closing again. Regulations are changing very fast. Then we have a typhoon here or there where also harbors are closed. It is still a big topic. And I think we shouldn't stop pointing on that topic because in the end, and there we come back to our problem in maritime is, of course, we need also seafarers in the future. And the way we support the seafarers in this tremendous difficult time, especially for them, because we are sitting in the home office, uh, however, they are serving on the ships, that will, of course, also have an influence on the future of seafarers, which, again, young people will join the industry when they hear from the parents or from the media that they were stuck at sea and nobody helped them. And again, it's not a maritime isolated problem. It is a problem of the whole, being a bit dramatic now, but mankind, because if 80% of our goods are not transported anymore, coming back to that, I think more has to be done 
And I would just say bravo to these organizations and individuals that engaged so much um, in this topic over the last almost two years now and put a lot of effort and uh, yeah, time uh, to support our seafarers. Actually, I, th I think it's not an issue we should be worried about being overly dramatic about. I think it's one that people need to understand that, yes, they, most of what they enjoy on a day-to-day -day basis they wouldn't have without shipping. So, um, so a point that's very much needs to be made. I'd like to move on to quite a different issue, a very serious issue of a different kind, which is climate change. This probably on a global basis is you know the biggest challenge facing the planet today. As you're looking at sort of 2025 and beyond that and in this conference, I want to ask you, Claudia, how will is already climate change changing the way that shipping operates and its business models? That is a very good question in terms of it is not so easy. <laughs> but of course, there are a lot of companies who are investing and collaborating with other companies in order to find new ways of shipping in a more climate neutral way. And here I would make first intervision. The maritime industry is seen as this huge industry with huge ships and a lot of smoke coming out of the chimney, right? But then it's again an awareness issue from the outside the industry about our carbon footprint. Because if you look on how many goods we are transporting with one ship, it, it makes it, of course, a difference. What we see as well is, of course, that industries are investing in new technologies, be it alternative fuels, be it sails on ships again, be it this flender rotor, so all the things in order to use less fuel and therefore to lower the footprint. On the other side, we have a lot of programs there. We also see that there are big investments companies who only invest money on the basis of uh, sustainable development goals from the UN. So also from the finance market, we have some pressure here. Then we have, for example, the EU Green Deal, who also gives some incentives in order to do green shipping. And I think one unique point of the industry is really that when you look at the whole supply chain, we are doing quite a lot. The infrastructure, although onshore, is sometimes giving some limits. So if you go, for example, on alternative fuel, but you are trading in an area where this fuel is not available, of course, you have a little bit of an issue because how do you then get your ship from A to B? You touch there on things like the infrastructure challenges. How well prepared is shipping to face these multifaceted regulatory changes and the infrastructural challenges as well? The big advantage of the maritime industry is definitely that we have already a goal-setting regulation set in place. We have the International Maritime Organization that has set carbon reduction goals. We have goals on ballast water management treatment, which is also a big issue. Again, not so well known outside the maritime industry, but a huge factor for us to deal with. So I think the industry is prepared to solve this issue with the framework. And maybe we have a little bit of a tendency to be known as a very traditional industry and have not so many early adapters, maybe have not so many startups there. As discussed before, I think the industry is willing to open up in that respect because we see the value of the diversity here again. 
But yeah, as said before, that is a, tra a very traditional industry. And there is good reason for this, because shipping is still dangerous. We have typhoons. There is a lot of things that could happen to a ship while at sea. And then the crew is left alone and they have to deal with the danger that are there. And therefore, it's good that we have traditions. On the other hand, these traditions bring also a lot of passion. And what we see in the industry is really that the industry is committed. Maybe not the fastest reacting industry, but we are here to make shipping happen and we love what we are doing. So therefore, nothing will stop us going further and solving these topics. And again, looking also on the topics of all the conferences that are ongoing at the moment, these are the topics that are on the agendas. And that is also a clear sign that the industry is willing to meet. Once again, the difficulty is really the international view on that. It's very easy to regulate something in one country, but when it comes to not only Europe or not only the United States or not only Asia, it is really difficult. And the good again here is we have on the one side, we have the regulatory items. And then on the other side, we have the rewarding schemes like the US Coast Guard E0 scheme to reward ships that are in compliance. We have as mentioned before, the Green Deal, and we have financing that goes also in shipping along with uh, uh, sustainable development goals. I think the fact that that regulatory framework is there does uh, mean that you know shipping is clearly working towards it. And I think you mentioned the passion of the industry as well. One way I can sort of see this coming together is the amount of collaboration that's going on in this industry at the moment towards... Um, meeting these decarbonization goals, developing new fuels and so forth. You know, there's a fantastic amount of work going on. And looking at these collaborations, the centers and so forth, all the conferences we have, how important do you see this collaboration, Claudia, as you know, this cross-industry cooperation that we're seeing? I mean, in the end, especially cross-industry cooperation is also a way of bringing diversity into the industry, right? We are talking with industries that have little to do with maritime or maybe have their background in another industry. And we have, as you mentioned, for example, just picking one out of my hat now is the Maritime Decarbonization Center in Singapore, where uh, the maritime... Uh, and Port Authority brings different companies together, fully committed to find a goal here. As mentioned before, we have the European deal. I recently, just today in the morning actually, get to know about the Maritime Energy System Institute, which is a collaboration with the German space industry. So there is a lot of things going on. And all the experience that other industry make and that we can share in our industry will help us to find better solutions. And thinking about it, we are facing also some similar problems. Let's talk about the cars. We have the battery cars. They have the same problem. You don't want to strand away somewhere where you cannot charge your car again. The dimensions are a little bit different because if your car runs out somewhere in the middle of Europe, it's maybe one hour walking or something until you get into, into civilization again. Whereas when you're in the middle of the ocean, it's a totally different problem. But 
in the end, it is the same. And the same goes with safety of alternative fuels. Obviously, we have a lot of experience with the heavy fuel oil. And with the other industry, we are facing different problems, like let it be explosion margins that are not as easy to handle, and also refueling or regassing systems. So therefore, it is tremendously important to have different cross-industry projects and also to have this collaboration between different companies. I think there's an amazing amount going on. And as you say, that thing looking beyond just shipping and or, all the other sectors and, and the, the sort of commonality of many of the challenges that are faced, even if on a different scale, as you said, with, uh, the, the automobile, for example. We've covered a lot of ground here. There's some fascinating topics going to be discussed at the conference. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Claudia? Yeah, I think one topic that we haven't touched yet is also about um, an, another topic of cooperation, but also new people coming into the industry. And that is, of course, the whole business of cleanup, be it plastic cleanup, I think, which is very much in the eye of the public now, having the idea, of course, we know that plastic from a larger scale comes from the shore than from from our ships. I mean, there is no garbage that is going from the ship into the ocean, just to make that clear. But still, um, we have a lot of um, garbage and plastics that are coming from, for whatever reasons, from the uh, shore side into the oceans. And we have now this startup companies that try to solve this issue. And they are coming into shipping with no background on shipping, which is uh, quite interesting how they are challenging, how they are dealing with the challenges of operating a ship. They are good on all the other aspects, of course, on how to get the plastic out of the water. And also there, I think it's, it's a tremendous benefit to have an exchange with these companies and see how they tackle their part of the new industry that is coming into shipping. I think that adds a very interesting dimension of things coming into the industry. And it's quite an interesting place to finish up on. I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time today, Claudia, and wish you all the best with the AGM conference from the 12th to the 15th of October in Hamburg. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Claudia. Thank you very much, Marcus. It was a pleasure.